You're listening to Nobody's Perfect, a community built to support, inspire, and empower Colorado youth and families. Our mission is to collaboratively break down stigma and offer solutions to mental health and well-being challenges we all can face. Nobody's Perfect is powered by the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Arapahoe Douglas Counties, and NAMI Colorado. Here, we don't dwell on appearances, expectations, or the pursuit of perfection. Our primary goal is to foster a welcoming environment for candid, inspirational conversations. Our sole mission is to tap into the strength of shared storytelling, delivering you valuable resources that cultivate fresh perspectives grounded in compassion, emotional resilience, and hope. I'm your host, Jason Hopkins, and thrilled to have you join us for this transformative conversation. In each episode, you'll hear from fearless experts, community advocates, leaders, parents, and others supporters of youth who have chosen to raise their voices to remind teens and families that despite life's most pressing hurdles, everyone deserves to be seen, heard, and valued. Every episode will spark meaningful conversations between youth and their families, which often poses a major hurdle in effectively communicating the challenges often associated with mental health conditions. Together, we'll explore a wide range of topics, including challenges that can arise in our daily lives. We'll explore topics like depression, anxiety, substance abuse, disordered eating, bullying, gender identity, school violence, and more. Our guest experts will introduce innovative approaches to help you navigate these everyday challenges, foster informed next-level communication, and share valuable support resources that meet you where you are. Tune in every other week on Cozy101.com slash imperfect as we come together to embrace the shared human experience through respect, empathy, and impactful action, we aim to make a bigger impact right here in Colorado. Nobody's perfect because perfection isn't real. Your story is. Today, I'm so thrilled to get started. This is our inaugural episode of Nobody's Perfect. Um, this episode's going to be a little different than the ones we have moving forward. And this is really the episode that tees up why nobody per Nobody's Perfect is a conversation worth having right now. Um, it is framed from the experience and research that we've done at NAMI Arapahoe Douglas counties over the last five years to serve youth and families in the communities that we work with. And really, um, our goal today is to frame the what, the, the why, and the how. Today, I'm joined with my guest, um, Amy Staley, who is a licensed social worker. She works with me at NAMI Arapahoe Douglas counties, and we have been um, really entrenched in how do we better support youth and families in today's world. And Nobody's Perfect is the um, kind of kickoff for that work that we're doing to move the needle on better supporting those in times of need and their struggle. Amy, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you so much, Jason. I feel honored to be a part of um, this inaugural episode, and I'm, I'm so glad to be here and, and talk about um, Nobody's Perfect and um, how we landed here. Well, it's a pleasure for me, and I know we've been um, going back and forth on what this episode was going to be like for a while, knowing that it's different um, than the coming episodes. But really, before we get started, Amy, I would love for you to share a little bit more about your background and how you've been working to support youth in your career, you know, really over the past decade, and then let us use that to kind of lead into um, the work that we've been doing at NAMI Arapahoe Douglas Counties to um, serve the communities we do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you shared, um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker here in Colorado. Um, I worked in a varying roles as a social worker, really over the past 18 to 19 years. Um, even before I went back to grad school, I worked at a domestic violence shelter. Um, I did go to Boston University for my master's in social work. And while out there, um, I worked at a teen living program, which was a shelter for parenting and pregnant teen moms. Um, I then, um, after I graduated, <clears throat> And throughout my uh, master's program, I worked with youth impacted by um, gang violence and their families. And when I moved to Colorado, I did intensive in-home work with youth as well. Um, part of my career, I did transition up to being a supervisor and a manager um, in community mental health, and then as well as a director um, of a Colorado-based behavioral health hospital and their outpatient program. 
in those roles as a supervisor, manager, and director in mental health, um, I often had touch points with youth programs. So while some of my uh, work was adult facing, I also worked um, with programs that were an intensive outpatient program for youth, um, a hospital step down program for any kids and youth that were stepping out of crisis. Um, I myself also, as a supervisor, did crisis evals um, at times on youth. So I've, I've really had um, a touch point and a button on what happens for youth in the crisis world for mental health. Um, after my directorship with the Behavioral Health Hospital, I actually worked within the Colorado um, school system for about three years, and that was right during um, COVID and remote school and all of the things that, um, you know, that brought to our world, um, but really specifically the amount of pressure and that that brought to youth as they were navigating schools in a whole new way how to communicate and engage with each other, how to communicate with their families in a new way. Um, so I really got to see from the front lines and working in schools, um, both as a social worker, as well as um, the exceptional student services director supporting a special ed department um, and our mental health team, you know, just the intensity day to day that, that comes within schools. And through that process, there's, um, a lot that sparked in me of recognizing the amount that our, our youth have been in crisis and um, are in crisis and even more recently um, and post pandemic, have we seen um, what this looks like for youth and their families. And um, really, I'm excited to be here today to talk about how do we support families and youth and, and talking about these things um, and help educate folks. Well, what I love about having you here today, and, and thank you for sharing your background, is you know you really have been with me on the ground floor of doing this work with youth from the very beginning. And I think the inspiration for, for, for Nobody's Perfect began back in 2019 when I was in conversations with Bonneville Media, Cozy 101, um, who, who is our generous supporter of this initiative, um, had, had asked me, would I be willing to host a podcast for youth um, yeah. after a rash of suicides in Colorado? And from 2019 through 2021, we hosted 35 episodes with youth um, around issues that they were facing or related to their mental health on a podcast called Teen Talk. And Teen Talk was really a phenomenal um, starting point for the work that we have gone on to continue and build upon. And really what I learned from that, what I'm calling a for youth by youth initiative was a, a couple of things. One, that youth will talk about mental health in a way that many of us won't as adults. Two, mm -hmm. recognizing that they are struggling, you know, at alarming rates and really seeking support in their peer groups and with others. And, and we're going to give some statistics that validate this in just a minute. But really, the, the thread that I saw pulled through every single conversation was this, this desire or need that teens and youth today felt to be perfect. And yeah. the recognition and the pressure that they felt around getting the right grades, doing the right, you know, extracurricular or social activities that would look good on a college application, really about their next steps that felt so far afield from where they were in their present lives, that there was this anxiety and this underlying current of, you know, perfectionism that really framed these conversations. And as time has moved forward, what we've really done in a thoughtful way at NAMI ADCO with, with Amy's help also is looking at intentionally, you know, where are the disconnection points among youth today? And one of the things that we recognized very early on is we have parents that are trying to raise kids today in a world that's very different in the world than they grew up in. Mm -hmm. I mean, Obviously, the integration of technology has changed many things, and we find that instead of becoming more connected, we're often becoming more disconnected, you know, in our roles in parents, in our roles as educators, people who support youth, and, and this the, these conversations we're hosting here is really foundational in us, you know, creating new inspiration points to have, you know, inspired conversation with youth today, to learn from them again for youth by youth. I mean, the work that we're doing here has all been validated by youth, um, you know, in, in topics and things that they are focused on and looking for support with and really guides us as we move forward to have these, these raw, honest conversations that sort of break down these walls around nobody is perfect. Um, recognizing that we all have a story and our stories have value 
and frankly, you know, hosting conversations that lead to deeper connection and conversation. I mean, that's my goal for this series. So mm -hmm. today I mentioned the episode is going to be a little different. Um, I, I'm really hopeful we can get into kind of the, the what, the why, and the how. And I want to start with the why. And I've just shared a little bit of the why. But Amy, what I would love for you to do is tell our listeners a little bit about the work that we've been doing in the last year and a half at NAMI Arapahoe Douglas County, specifically rate, related to, you know, teeing up, getting ready for these conversations. Absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the projects that we have done um, was actually brought up through Douglas County and Douglas County had initially reached out to us to get the voice of individuals who are uh, living with serious, serious and mental illness as well as their families, um, because at NAMI, um, that is that is one of our core values, is really bringing to light the voice of people who are personally impacted with um, mental health issues and their families. And so we were honored that we were approached um, to seek this feedback. And through our stakeholder conversations, it became very evident that we needed to extend this survey process to youth. Um, Many more youth are presenting earlier with um, episodes of psychosis. Um, many youth are experiencing crisis. And so we went back to Douglas County and um, in collaboration with the stakeholders, decided to also develop a survey that went out to youth and their families to seek feedback about what they understand um, they have access to in regards to services for mental health and what ways they think of mental health health and and where do they go for support or what do they think we need to know more about and so through that process a, a few things really came to light that um i think stood out to us as we um, compiled the data and reported it back um to the douglas county mental health initiative a couple of the data points that really stood out is one um approximately 74 percent of youth reported their overall physical and emotional health is fair so this was second to lowest. This was out of five choices. So there's excellent, very good, good, fair, or poor. And nearly 74% of them chose the second to the bottom. So let and me make this clear. Like, you know, of the five choices that were given, we were at the second to the bottom in youth reporting how they felt about their mental and physical health. Correct. And if we add poor, which is below the, that, um, we're actually closer to 77, 78%. So nearly 80% of the youth said fair or poor. Um, well, we could go ahead and say the majority. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, and so I think, you know, even as I'm looking at my notes and I saw that bar graph, I got the chills, right? When you just sit back and think about that, that when we engaged youth to share with us their perspective of how they're doing and their physical and emotional health. And that many of them are reporting fair or worse than fair. I think it's it's really important for us to pause and to realize what do we need, need to do to be responsive. In addition to that, there was a question that we asked side by side, meaning it was the same for the parents as the youth. And it w went into more of a detail. So during the past four weeks, how much of the time has your physical health or emotional health interfered with your social activities? So interfered with you doing something. Um, again, we're at nearly 70% of youth either said all of the time or most of the time. Wow. So we're at nearly 70% that are saying that they, that their physical or emotional health in the last four weeks impacted them in not engaging socially, which we all know as humans, the social connection is something that is positive for us. It helps us. It keeps us going. It keeps us feeling positive and alive. So if we're, if we have something that's impeding for somebody not to be able to have those emotional connections, how is that potentially also continuing to negatively impact them and their emotional health? Well, and especially for youth when that's such a formative part of their their socialization and becoming who they're going to become as young adults. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when you look at the family responses and how many of them said all of the time or most of the time, it was only 8.3%. So when we look at these data points that were at nearly 70% of youth are saying that their physical or emotional health 
interfered with their social activities. And then the family response was closer to 8.3. There's, there's a big disconnect there of, okay, so maybe parents are feeling like youth are doing okay, or things are going well, or from their perspective, it's good. But when youth are identifying themselves, they're reporting that they're not feeling as good. Right. And, and those, some of those are the data points that I think really sort of sparked the importance of our overall goal for this podcast, which is how do we help have productive and practical conversations that youth and family can go back and try and have some of these conversations with each other. Um, we understand, as you mentioned, it's, it's a very different time growing up today than it was, um, you know, even 10 years ago, we'll say, but we'll, you know, as we look at the generational gap and difference in age between parents and youth today, um, it's a different time. And, and so having conversations in ways that parents may have had when they were younger, um, it is different. And we don't fault anyone for not feeling like there's a clear roadmap of how to have these conversations. We want to help provide folks with some tools and opportunities and conversation starters for engaging with their youth around this. Um, we'd love to see that gap close in regards to the discrepancy of perspective of, of how impacted youth are and how the adults see that. Right. Well, and, um, and I want to, I want to add right here, you know, again, as you just mentioned, this is not about bashing parents, like, you know, making anybody feel bad about their parenting skills. I mean, we recognize through survey that, that, Parents are struggling too, and knowing mm -hmm. how to talk to their youth about some of these things that their their kids are, are challenged with is not straightforward, and it's not easy. And it goes back to, as Amy mentioned a minute ago, the world is different. I I think this conversation or these conversations really, in my mind, is an opportunity for us to a recognize the gaps and then to start filling in the gaps, like. I don't have an expectation that we're going to fix anything necessarily, but if, if at a minimum we can spark, you know, youth and teens and their parents having healthier conversations that, um, you know, strengthen and deepen connection, I think we will have done a great job here. So, Amy, you gave us some staggering statistics a minute ago around the challenges that youth are facing and how they, they perceive their mental health is, and then Conversely, how differently their parents may see it and not recognize they're struggling at such an alarming rate, you know, help us better understand why do you think that is that youth, youth are perceiving their mental health as, you know, fair or poor, and parents might see it as good, you know, on a more consistent basis. What are the things that from the work that, that we've been doing, you recognize as, as some things that would give us pause that that build upon in, in what we're doing here? Sure. Well, a couple of thoughts. I mean, I think one, you, you kind of touched on the access to technology, but I'm going to expand that and just say access to information. Okay. So the amount of information that youth have to educate themselves in whatever fashion that is surrounding mental health, surrounding emotional needs, some of that can result in potentially over attaching or over identifying with some of those pieces. And then I'm not minimizing that youth aren't experiencing some of those pieces, but um, youth are able to look things up and access that information in regards to their emotional and mental health at a much faster rate than I know was available when I was youth. So I also think there are some pieces that youth um, have access to this information and are are seeking that information potentially from their peers, potentially from other online resources, um, rather than direct um, mental health resources. And we can talk a little bit more about some of the data points we got from our work related to that in a minute. Um, but I also think that, you know, when we talk about this, nobody's perfect, and you already touched on the parenting piece, I think as parents, we all put a lot of pressure on ourselves to know and to have right answers and to be able to be responsive to youth. And when we're walking in a situation that feels like we don't have a direct answer, it is a different world. I, you know, I'm not sure how to respond or to, to answer if you have this coming up. I think as parents at times, when we don't know the answer, we try and connect with resources, or we try and find information or get our youth connected, but we might 
in, instinctively freeze and not want to give misinformation. And so we might not be engaging in some of these conversations with youth out of our own pressure for wanting to be perfect or wanting to be um, that support for our youth. Right. And so I think there are times that, you know, when we talk about nobody's perfect, we absolutely want to target and address what you brought up earlier, where youth are putting a lot of pressure on themselves to be perfect. But we also want to acknowledge that parents feel that pressure too. Um, I'm a parent of two. And while my kiddos are younger right now, three and six, um, I often am like, oh man, I, I should have done that different. Or could I have done this different? Right. We, we constantly, it's ingrained in our society for how can we be responsive and what can we do? And so I think there's so many layers that go into your question that can also just be what are generational, you know, different values too. what right. are values of parents that might be like, Hey, yeah. I am looking at this and to me, you know, I, I think you're, you're probably not that impacted, although you feel like you are right. There could be some generational differences in, in what the reality of the person's situation is um, or how big something feels. I mean, what we know about adolescent minds um, and where they're at developmentally, there might be some things that feel very huge for them or do take up a lot of their emotional space and their parent might look at the same thing and see it as much smaller, right? Well, and so why are you giving this any attention when when they don't see the value? I mean, I just want to acknowledge the conversation that you and I had before we started recording around, we want this to be perfect. Yeah. And, and, and knowing, you know, again, I want to reiterate what Amy's saying. I don't think perfectionism is something that is just a youth problem. I think it's a people yeah. problem. And, and really, we're hoping to kind of take the bricks off the wall, so to speak, and have these more honest, inspired conversations and recognizing there is no need to be perfect. And Amy, you mentioned a minute ago about, you know, parents feeling a certain pressure to meet their youth where they are when something comes up. And I, I still believe it is perfectly appropriate to respond and say, I don't know the answer, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll see what I can figure out and I'll get back with you. And I think that goes a long way. I know we have some compelling survey points around this. I would love for you to specifically share more about what the data told us about youth's reliance on support, how they're accessing support, and really, you know, frame for our audience a little bit more about the importance and value in recognizing that technology is pretty firmly integrated into you know, the, the use case of, of what, where youth are seeking support and, you know, instead of vilifying it, you know, our opportunity is, is taking on initiatives like this to integrate something in that is contextualized differently, because I'm going to go back and add where I think we fail with technology specifically related to these conversations is yes, there is access to anything out there that we want to find on, on the internet, good or bad. And often we seek something out and we get the answer we're looking for that may not have the appropriate context, uh, you know, uh, provided with it that that really gives the full flavor of what somebody is going on to self-identify with or they're, they're, they've seen themselves in the struggle of another person or another group of people. And, you know, there's a lot in this um, cultivation of identity among youth that makes kind of the integration of technology pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, that in and of itself may end up being its own um, podcast, because I think there's there's a lot of people that I know are more experts in that than that I can even speak to. But um, I, I do think that we would be um, remiss to not point out how much technology is integrating into what is coming up for for youth with um, as it relates to mental health. So. Um, when we talk about, um, and I just wanted to clarify the data point that you were hoping for me to touch on. Did you want me to touch on where youth are going in regards to peers um, versus other adults, or were you talking about where they might go to look up resources? I, just I want think to make both. Sure. I think both are okay. valuable for this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I just wanted to make sure that I um, integrated in well with that. So, um, you know, when we asked youth where um, they go where they seek um, support. And if they, you know, an interesting side-by-side -side stat that we, that really stood out to us was um, self-care. Self-care is discussed quite a bit um, in our 
society. We talk about things we can do for ourselves. We talk about how self-care um, potentially can have a positive impact on our mental health and our overall health and well-being. Right. And when we asked youth if they felt that self-care can benefit their mental health, um, there was 48%, so almost 50%, and if you add the strongly disagree, um, that disagreed with this. They did not feel that self-care, um, and I think that that's an important stat to review because as we look at um, then, if they feel like they have the coping skills and things to work through when they have tough moments, um, almost 75% of them said they strongly agree. Um, actually, we're up to close to 90% that either agree or strongly agree that they feel they have the tools. And the reason that this data point is important is that this is almost acknowledging that youth do not feel they need the adults. Youth do not feel that they need help from somebody outside of themselves to manage um, distress, to manage things that are tough for them. And again, when we think of developmentally, right, youth often feel kind of like they're superheroes and they've got this and they don't need help. And right, like I'm almost an adult, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. So there's components right. of that that could be attached. But in reality, I think there are some pieces that we're uncovering and we've discussed that are also that youth aren't feeling connected to the adults. They aren't feeling that when they have those conversations, they're feeling seen and heard. And I think that those that's an important piece for us to, to not gloss over. Um, additionally, when we asked if they talked with their peers about mental health, um, there's 92.8% said yes, they talk to their peers about mental health. So not only are they saying, I feel like I've got this, right? I have the skills that I need, I'm good. Also 92% of them are talking to each other, um, potentially more than they're talking to adults or reaching out. When we look at where youth are going to look for resources to improve their own mental health, 36% um, of them are going online. And only 25% of them reported family. So I think it's very interesting, even if we just put those side by side, right, that there's at, um, that much more, 11% more um, that are reporting that they go online versus talking to a family member. And I want to add something there. The 34% the um, was the, the biggest category of respondents online was number one. Yes. I'm so, so it sorry. Came before it's, it's, anything else. It's 30, it's almost 36%. I think I said 34 because I was looking, right. I was jogging. So it's 36% of you okay. report that they are going online to seek resources for their mental health. And that is the um, first place they're going to improve their mental health. And it is the largest category that was responded. You are correct. Right. And, and to add, thank you for clarifying. And to add to that, you know, we you you talked a minute ago about the reliance on peer groups. And I love that youth have their peer groups as a support today. But I also want, you know, with, with every light side, there is a dark side. The dark side of that is we often have peers that are collaborating, you know, kind of in their muck. And, and it can often be you know, a pretty dangerous place to navigate ups and downs of sick people helping sick people. And, and I don't want to be unkind about that, but it, you know, I, I do believe that people can only meet you from their place of experience. And if you're struggling with something and reaching out to your peer group and they have no um, frame of reference to that, other than they're your friend and they want to support you, that doesn't always lead to the healthiest outcomes. Is, is that, did I say that accurately enough? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I've done in the field is a lot of trauma-informed care trainings and, and vicarious trauma trainings. And one of the pieces that I always touch on that, because I think some of this can be hard for adults too, right? Sure. Sometimes we find shared experiences. And so we connect with others who are having that shared experience and it doesn't always result in us feeling better or getting to a better place, not to say that it never does. But when, when I've done vicarious trauma trainings, one of the things I always say is you need to have a buddy or somebody you can unload to, but you need to start by saying, are you in a place that I can talk to you about this right now? Right. Um, are you, you know, because sometimes what we do, I call it a trauma vomit is we're all hyped up. I've, I'm having a trauma reaction and I just like vomit all the things that are happening to me or all these other things that I've heard. And, you know, and then I, 
I just tell you all these things and you, Jason, might have been like, oh my gosh, I almost got in a car accident on my way to this and I'm a little shaken up, but now I'm hearing all these things. You might not be in a place to actually be able to hear that and handle that. And when we're youth who are who are both struggling with different things and then we talk about those different things, it can feel heavier and bigger and bigger, right? And so when you're talking about that and not necessarily that there's always a positive outcome or that that um, might be people who are impacted by mental health helping each other, there's there's a lot of positives about that because there can be shared experience, sure. but there also can be adding weight and adding ex- additional stress and additional emotion- emotional strain to somebody else. And I'm comparing that with um, when I've done vicarious trauma trainings, because again, I want youth to hear some of what the reason we're talking about these and we're talking about, hey, could there maybe be some other solutions or different ways to look at it is not to say what you're doing is wrong. And to let you know, these are things adults and others are navigating as well, right? All of us manage this. Um, I'm pretty sure I've probably trauma vomited onto Jason once before, right? That's just part of what we do as humans. Yeah, like that's what we do as humans. Um, It's more, how do we learn to recognize, whoa, when is this something that's really, really heavy that I might be putting on somebody else? And do I maybe need to get uh, extra support, whether that is, a resource through school, whether that is a family member, whether that is a mental health support, do I need somebody else to help me navigate this so that I'm not putting something on somebody else? Or are they going to be able to help let me know if it is too much, right? How do you have conversations about, you know, hey, I want to be a friend for you. I want to be here for you. But what you're sharing with me feels really heavy and outside of my scope. And I'm, I feel like we need to go together to talk with somebody, right? It doesn't, I want youth to feel like they can be feel empowered to not have to hold all this heavy information um, because that's a lot. And um, I know well, I've totally on a that, tangent. That, well, but the data tells it that, that that they're reporting their mental health as as fair or poor, and you know, so it tells me that maybe they are not as equipped to be reliant on themselves and others when they start navigating the challenging times. And again, I'm not I'm not saying that they are not. But I think there's something that data supports, you know, there are some issues here. And, you know, Amy, I know that that Nobody's Perfect is designed to really be a hub of resources. Um, and I want to get into that a little bit more. But where I'd like to start is, is this notion of, you know, if, if somebody's struggling, and, and again, that could be across a continuum of care, you know, it all the way from, you know, I've had a bad day through I'm in crisis and really need help right now. I see what we find a lot is there's not really a connection point for people to get plugged in. How, how do how do youth and parents or supporters of youth better navigate these these challenging times and where do they get plugged in? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's that's that's a, that's a tough answer because it's not a one size fits all answer. Right. Some of that is going to be unique for each youth and family member. Um, You know, I'm thinking to some of the work that I did in schools when there was a couple of youth that were in crisis. And I'm remembering there's a family member that said something to me like, well, I just feel so lucky that we have you because you know how to navigate the system. And I don't know how many times I've had that conversation with you that that just sits with me that it feels wrong and hard that that youth got their need met in that moment because I knew how to navigate the system. And I think um, everyone in the system right now wants to be responsive, wants to be supportive to youth. And also our system has been flooded with mental health needs. Um, I think that there was buildup probably uh, before the pandemic around that, but definitely after the pandemic, we've seen um, the system be flooded and the mental health workers also need to be taking care of themselves so that they can be present for youth. So you know, there's a variety of ways that you can get plugged in. Um, they can start by talking with to people through their schools, see if their schools have any resources or places that they partner with really well. Um, you know, in some areas that might be a community mental health, some it might be um, private group therapy practices, some non-traditional therapeutic interventions. Um, talking to their primary care office, um, we've definitely seen a significant increase in primary care offices being the front lines for people who are experiencing significant mental health needs while somebody's on a wait list. So if somebody's waiting 
six weeks to get into therapy and um, needs some support, um, oftentimes people are going to the their primary care offices, and they're kind of trying to help triage. Um, obviously, every primary care office is navigating that differently. So you would want to talk with your um, child's pediatrician and, and figure out what resources they may or may not have and, and not just assume that they can be responsive to that. Um, but be aware that that some folks are going through their primary care and then being referred out through there. Um, and, you know, we're working together um, on, on another project of, of looking at how can we create more in the moment resources? How can we create um, access to some self-empowerment tools or things that people can look at online, whether that be for parents to, to review and read and pass on to their youth or for youth to access themselves. Uh, we know that there's a significant shortage of support to be responsive and we're trying to help come up with other ways that people can get tapped in, um, even through conversations like this, to navigate what can I do and how can I have conversations with my youth um, while I'm working to get them plugged in? Um, how can I be persistent and understand that um, the, the system might be a little overloaded and I might have to make two or three phone calls before I get a call back? Um, and I, I'm not saying that's okay, or that's what anyone's intention wants to be, right? I, I don't think that anyone would feel feels good about um, that, but that might be the reality of where we're at and in society. And so how as a parent, can I help balance and give love and support to my, my youth while we're waiting to get them um, officially plugged in? Right. And I want to reiterate a couple of things that you, that you touched on a minute ago. And, and one of them is we truly have a demand on our mental health system that we've never had before. And the system was never designed to meet the demand that it has placed upon it today. And that's for adults and for youth. And, and really, youth resources have never been front and center um, for where the mental health system showed up to meet you at. And I think what you mentioned yeah. a minute ago, Amy, that's so important, and I, and I want people listening to take away, is what's different about mental health from other physical maladies that people may struggle with is there is not a one-size-fits-all solution. So if somebody is struggling with something, it doesn't necessarily mean the tools or the tactics that they use to support themselves are going to be the same that somebody else uses. And we recognize that. And again, you know, th this is not a, a podcast to be pro-therapeutic resources or pro-system resources. It's really to start having the conversations and opening the door, knowing these are not one-size-fits-all challenges that people are facing. And, and really being more invitational to share with you from an expert perspective resources that are available that you might not have thought of or ever known you could rely on to make it, you know, make you aware of, you know, different paths that you can pursue or go down that may be a support for you. And also to, um, to underscore and highlight the fact that it's okay to try different things. And if something didn't work for you, that doesn't mean that you have to keep doing more of it, or maybe you shouldn't pursue a different path. So again, I want to, I want to level set anybody listening here today that we recognize that there are different paths to care. There are different options to support ourselves, you know, when we're navigating, you know, the ups and downs that we're facing in life. But, you know, Amy, I know kind of the foundation of Nobody's Perfect is really built upon what we've learned, you know, over the course of the last several years. And as part of that survey, we also asked you things that they were struggling with. And much of the future episodes is going to be around topics of this for youth by youth perspective that is validated from the youth voice about things that they are struggling with. Talk to us for a minute about what are the topics that we know youth are actively seeking support for or would would like to have more information on to give our listeners a little more of a flavor for what's coming? Absolutely. Um, before I dive into that, I have one comment I want to add to everything that you just shared, um, because if that's how you and I are, we just talk and talk. <laughs> but um, I think it's very important when we talk about the not one size fits all that we also remember that each person is different. 
So as adults and as parents who potentially struggled with our own journey of our mental health or um, process, we might feel like, you know what, this worked for me, so I'm going to get my kid connected to this, right? And, and allowing yourself and your youth an opportunity to explore that what worked for you or what maybe worked for one of their siblings might not be the same thing that works for them and right. that that's okay. Um, I think that it, it, when we see a loved one who's in pain or who is suffering, our immediate pull is let me fix it. And sometimes we immediately go to what helped us fix things. And so I just want to, um, give permission for you to, to realize that there might be different avenues in that. And like, like you said, Jason, that doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. Well, and um, that's, no. that's such great. I love that word permission and recognizing that we are all different. We all navigate life's ups and downs differently. And really as a parent or supporter of youth, who's listening to recognize that what worked for you may not work for your teen and, mm -hmm. and that's okay. And, and really we hope to be an inspiration point here at Nobody's Perfect to really, you know, give people access to resources that we know of because we work in the field and do this work across a, a spectrum of resources. And, and you guys have conversations with your youth that hopefully inspire you all to take different action that ultimately results in improved outcomes. Like that's really the goal here, but um yeah, I, I, I'm so I'm so glad that you brought us back to that, Amy, because I think that's really important to recognize the differences in each of us as we walk into a conversation to show mm -hmm. up to support somebody we care about. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, um, thank you for leading into us exploring what youth shared. Um, we asked them what opportunities for more education um, for youth regarding resources, what do you think's needed, right? What do you, what, what, what should we be looking at? And uh, almost 30% of them said prevention resources. 30% of youth are reporting that they would like to hear more about things they can do earlier on, things to be preventative to benefit their mental health. 40% um, are looking for self-management tools. 35% are saying how to talk to others about mental health. So we've already discussed earlier on the data points that youth, 92% of youth are talking to their peers about mental health. How can we make sure that we're having conversations of how to support youth with talking about mental health? And that is part of our intention and part of what drove this podcast um, is not only for youth to potentially walk away and think of other ways to talk with their family members, but also to talk to each other about mental health. Um, well, even as we talked, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And I was just going to say that, you know, there's, there's several others on here. Um, a couple more that I would just like to point out is, um, what to do when someone is in crisis and ways to access resources in the community. And those are, you know, right at 30 to 33%. Um, and people, you know, youth overwhelmingly want to know what to do, want to know how to talk about this and want to know where to go. And, um, you know, hope our goal of this podcast is to bring to light um, new and different resources and ways to access things um, in different ways and to learn more about how to talk about these things. Um, you know, hopefully the conversations will be approachable and practical and feel supportive to you because we, we recognize and we hear your voice that you want to have these conversations and you want to know what to do. I love that. And, you know, I know we also had had delved into, you know, really specific topics that youth were looking for support around, which is really um, the starting point for the expert conversations that we're going to have moving forward every other week. Um, and as I mentioned in the intro, you know, we're going to address the topics like depression, anxiety, you know, navigating technology with your youth today. I know substance use and mis misuse um, substance abuse and misuse is certainly um, a rampant problem that parents are facing with their youth. Disordered eating, bullying, gender identity, school violence, like no topics really off limits here. And we have found, you know, in our work with youth that they're wanting more information about how to navigate these as evidenced by, you know, what our survey told us that Amy just reported. I mean, I think, again, I go back and I'm going to use the words level set again in 
we want to start to normalize some of these conversations and pretending that these things are not impacting our youth, that they're not happening, that they're not being infect, uh, affected by them. And, and that, you know, parents aren't struggling to know how to talk about these things and recognizing you don't have to be the expert to do that. I feel like we have an opportunity and frankly, an obligation to show up differently for our youth and have conversations about the hard things that we know that they're challenged with and are facing and really hopefully give, you know, a, a, a spark of inspiration to be able to navigate those times, those ups and downs with, with greater ease and um, um, impact because you're, you're, you're empowered with knowledge. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I'm realizing we have about seven minutes left. And so I want to be mindful um, about me not rambling too long, but um, <laughs> you're doing great. Okay. No, I, I think, you know, it's been fascinating for me um, going through doing the survey process with alongside you and talking about this youth work. Um, because as a social worker, I've done a lot of direct practice um, with youth. And I, I clearly have a passion area for that. I really want youth's voice to feel heard and seen. Um, and I've also, you know, it sparked me even through this conversation right now and us prepping for um, today, how much I'm also realizing the importance of the parents piece with that and wanting parents to feel that they have the tools. And I'm sure some of that is where I'm at um, in my journey as a parent. Right. Um, but it's it's been interesting to me because I actually think, that wanting parents to feel like they aren't alone and that they have ways to have these conversations or to access information um, is starting to feel equally important to me. Um, how do we give parents some practical information on um, figuring this out? Because kids don't come with a manual. We all know that. Um, we didn't. We don't have a manual on, on navigating our lives and how can we do our best to give our kids the skills and the tools um, to be them their best selves um, and, and allow ourselves those moments of imperfection, allow ourselves um, to be vulnerable. And as you said earlier, say, I don't know, but I'm going to help you come up with a solution or talk about it. And um, by modeling for youth, that as parents, we can say, we don't know, or I'm having a hard day and be vulnerable ourselves. Hopefully that helps show them that nobody is perfect. And we're not here to be a perfect society or be perfect people. We're here to try and be our best selves and enjoy life the best that we can as we navigate the things that are really challenging and hard in the day-to-day -day life. Well, I couldn't have said that any better, Amy. I, I absolutely and wholeheartedly agree with you. You know, and it goes back to one of our taglines, perfection isn't real, but your story is. And that's what I love. You know, when I started podcasting and doing my radio show that I really loved was the opportunity to get together with, with real humans, having real experiences, and just really have conversations that make a difference. Because frankly, I think the more that we talk about the things that we're uncomfortable with and we normalize those things, I think the easier it becomes for us to integrate them into our lives and recognize that, you know, this notion of perfectionism that we've all been indoctrinated into believing is a necessity for a successful life. It's just, it's not real. You know, yeah. it, it simply isn't real. And, and the fact of the matter is, is the more that we can, I think, embrace our imperfections and, and, and have this shared humanness and experience um, with other people who are living their story, I think the better opportunity we have to strengthen and deepen connection to ourselves and others. And really, that is the goal. You know, and as Amy mentioned a minute ago, at NAMI Adco, we are actively working on a, a digital marketplace tool to better connect people to the resources that we're talking about here. But it is this podcast that is the inspiration point. It is 
because of you. So if you're listening and you are inspired by something that we said today, or it sparks, you know, a thought that you want to share with us, I encourage you to go to our Nobody's Perfect page, which is linked here where you're listening, um, and really give us your feedback. If there's something that you're struggling with, or you recognize that you need more support with, share with us. Or if you're listening and you're an expert on a topic that you think you would be an ideal guest for a future conversation, by all means, reach out to us. Like, again, I want to reiterate, this is a for youth by youth initiative, which for us means it is validated by youth. First and foremost, our goal is to better serve youth, but we recognize that part of serving youth starts with educating the the, the grownups in the room, the parents, the people who support youth, educators, et cetera. Um, and, and, and frankly, we believe that the fruit of this initiative is better because of the input and the, the feedback that you give us. So I encourage anybody that's listened that wants to offer or share that, please do so. Um, really gives us a springboard to continue moving this project forward in a, in a thoughtful, inspired way. As we're wrapping up, Amy, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with our audience? Yeah, I mean, I think um, obviously this is the the initial, the inaugural. I don't know the correct word. Um, I'm I'm blanking on it, but podcast. But you know, part of our intent of having practical tools that youth and families can walk away with will be that we're going to ask um, two questions of guests on this show um, that are hopefully conversation starters for you. And I strongly encourage youth and their families, whether they listen to this together or listen to it on their own, but to come back to each other and ask each other, what's one thing that you learned or one thing that stood out to you from that? Because I think having the moments to have those conversation with your youth will either bring moments of connection where maybe there was one thing that we said today that um, stuck out to both of you and, and it was inspiring that it was a moment of connection, um, or it could also bring opportunity for you to learn more about your parents and what's standing out to them or to learn more about your youth and what they're hearing and what they're walking away with. Um, you know, part of what is the challenge and the disconnect in navigating parenting these, um, now is potentially not being able to have that lens and that understanding of where each other are coming from. And so, you know, that's one thing um, I would encourage folks to consider as you um, engage with this podcast, whether you do it regularly or it's a one-time um, situation, is for you to walk away and, and talk to a family member, talk to somebody else, talk to a peer. Hey, what did you get out of that? Or what did you think? Um, because that's how we're going to learn to have those connections and learn that we're we're all coming at this from different perspectives and different things might be important to different people. I love that, Amy, and that's a perfect conclusion to this first episode of Nobody's Perfect. Amy, I want to thank you so much for the valuable work that you're doing, the insights that you provided today, and um, I know that we'll have you back on the show in upcoming episodes, but um, thank you for being a champion for a cause that we know needs much attention, and um, I'm just grateful to you for being here today. Well, thank you for including me. Um, it was an honor to be on the first episode and um, really to be doing this work right now. I feel like it's bringing together a lot of my um, professional and personal experiences and I um, am honored to be here and I appreciate the time. Until next time on Nobody's Perfect, remember perfection isn't real, your story is. Until we meet again, we'll see you soon.